Hey guys, it's Leah from Prestige Worldwide Medical Consulting, U.S. Army veteran, physician assistant, and former CMP examiner. Today, I wanted to come on and discuss um, a little bit, a, a few topics surrounding obstructive sleep apnea. So this is a really broad topic that there are probably five or six different videos that I can and will make videos about. Um, I just don't want to do like an hour long video that's going to, you know, just bore everybody. So I'm going to just do little segments about OSA, um, obstructive sleep apnea. And today I wanted to just discuss um, OSA and its relationship from a direct or primary um, standpoint as it relates to your service, right? So I also wanted to real quick give a shout out to Mr. Ray Farrell, who is one of my um, buddies online that um, always shoots the shoots the stuff with me about being in no slack, um, second of the 325 infantry, um, which I was also in when I was on active duty. So I wore my shirt for him today. So hello, Mr. Farrell, I hope you're watching. Um, and he served with that organization during Vietnam and he is awesome. So, um, at any rate, back to my OSA topic. Um, so OSA, so what is OSA? Okay. Obstructive sleep apnea is a type of sleep apnea that occurs when the muscles on the back of a person's throat just relax when they're sleeping. You know, all of your muscles pretty much relax when you're sleeping, but in obstructive sleep apnea, Everything just collapses. Your tongue kind of falls on the back of your, you know, you're laying, you're sleeping. Your tongue relaxes and falls back. The, the muscles surrounding your airway will collapse and it will like actually close your airway and prevent air from kind of traveling where it needs to travel. That's why it's called obstructive, right? There's an obstruction that happens. There's another type of sleep apnea called central sleep apnea, um, which we'll talk about in another video. And then there's also mixed sleep apnea, which is where you have a combination of both, okay? But today I just want to talk about OSA and how it can relate to, um, you know, service from a direct or primary standpoint, okay? So what do uh, before we get into that, let's talk about what the VA likes to see um, when they're looking at sleep apnea in general for service connection, right? So they want to see that you have sleep apnea, first of all, right? And that's usually diagnosed. It is diagnosed by polysomnogram, right? Um, which is also referred to as a sleep study, right? So sometimes those can be done at home. Sometimes they're done in a sleep lab. Um, they hook up a bunch of monitors to you and they record you while you sleep and look at how many times you're having obstructions, how many times you're having um, apneic events where you stop breathing, right? So it's actually kind of normal for people to have some apneic, some apneic events, um, just regular people that don't have obstructive sleep apnea. There's actually a number and there's like a mathematical formulation that they do that shows okay, if they're having this many, that's too many and above the normal population, and we're gonna call that obstructive sleep apnea. Um, usually they like to look at a number called the AHI or the apnea hypopnea index. And usually that number being over five is what's gonna be like considered obstructive sleep apnea, but I don't wanna get too in the weeds with that. The important thing for you to know is that the, they're gonna wanna see that you've had a sleep study test done that confirms that you have sleep apnea, right? So if you're just saying, oh yeah, I have sleep apnea and my doctor diagnosed with me, diagnosed it um, for me 10 years ago. Well, do you have a copy of the sleep study? If you don't, you're probably looking at, you know, maybe they're going to order you a new sleep study. 
maybe not, I don't know. Um, they want to, so A, have you been confirmed sleep at, having sleep apnea by a medical professional, right, with polysomnogram? And then B, um, that it either is related to your service because you were diagnosed with it in service or it's proven that it's directly related to your service or that it's related on a secondary basis to another condition, okay? And so I'm gonna do some cool videos about secondary conditions, but real quick, some second, so if you're service connected for one thing and it causes another thing, that is what I mean when I say a secondary condition. So in this instance, I see a lot of veterans that are rated for PTSD, depression, um, anxiety, you know, mental health disorders, and, and then they develop sleep apnea and they're able to get that service connected to the mental health condition. Now that's not everybody, right? There's a lot of back and forth about this one. Um, you know, it's not a black and white thing. Um, it is always going to be based on the individual veteran and their um, medical history and their, you know, situation. And then what is the examiner, the comp and pen examiner and the raters um, re review or um, analysis of your history? What is their opinion based on all of the facts that, that they review? So the examiner is going to give their opinion and then the raters going to review all that. And this is, you know... Um, there's a ton of variables that go into it is what I'm saying, but there are many veterans that get service connected for their sleep apnea as it relates to their mental health condition or perhaps the medications that they take if it's caused them to gain weight or if they have compensatory eating habits or other things, so on and so forth that make them gain weight or any other thing that makes you gain weight. So an orthopedic condition that you can't exercise, asthma because you can't breathe well, um, fibromyalgia, again, you can't exercise because you have all these joint pains. So we're going to do another second a video on secondary service connections, or I might do a few because there's so much to expand upon with those um, that I, I want to really stay focused on this primary thing right now. Um, but GERD also is related in some cases, sinusitis, deviated septum. If you were, you know, punched in the face on active duty or had an injury to your nasal septum, that can also contribute. Um, so what do I mean by, so getting off of that topic, what do I mean by primary? Okay. So if you received an in-service diagnosis on active duty, right, for this, um, that would be what I mean by primary. Okay, I'm not talking about a reservist who went, who was on drill weekend and had, or was on AT and they somehow managed to get a polysomnogram. So technically you would want to check with an administrative expert, like an accredited agent or VSO, because I am not one of those or an attorney. I'm a medical expert, right? Um, technically, generally speaking, chronic disease processes like um, diabetes, sleep apnea, they're not really incurred in the line of duty during your um, IDT status for you reservists, okay? There are some like exceptions to that, but OSA is, is widely not believed to be one of them. But again, if you need clarification on that, follow up with um, your VSO or whoever. So if you're on active duty orders, right, or you're on active duty and you get diagnosed with sleep apnea, there's a good chance you might get service connected for that, right? Because it happened while you were on active duty. Um, if you, a lot of people weren't, especially older veterans, because sleep studies weren't necessarily getting done routinely back in the seventies or eighties or, or even the nineties. Um, especially if, you know, most veterans don't, when they're on active duty, they don't necessarily go to sick call or go get seen. And, you know, healthcare is getting better, you know, as time goes by. But back then, you know, if it's a Vietnam veteran, maybe, 
I'm, I'm sure they weren't going and asking for a sleep study in, in the 1960s or 70s, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that they didn't develop sleep apnea in service, right? So there are tons of veterans who maybe were not diagnosed and weren't diagnosed for several years later that had um, symptoms of and likely had undiagnosed sleep apnea um, while they were in service, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna just read to you guys what I put in a like I do a lot of these letters, especially for veterans that are sometimes working with attorneys and things like that. Um, these direct sleep apneas, if they had um, certain symptoms that were witnessed, um, you know, especially if they're cor corroborated by like buddy statements or spousal statements that were with you at the time, I'm gonna read you word for word what I put in some of these letters. And then you guys can like rewatch this a hundred times, write it down and just go take it to your doctor and ask them to write it for you, right? You can always come work with me, but you know, my letters are generally for sleep apnea. They're like five to eight pages, depending on, um, the, you know, but you do you need that much? No. Do you even need a letter? No. Are they helpful at times? Yes. Right. But, um, here is kind of like one of the really good research pieces that I put in it. Um, so according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the AASM, the criteria to di diagnose OSA as listed in International Classification of Sleep Disorders Diagnostic and Coding Manual, second edition states that if the patient reports daytime sleepiness, unrefreshing sleep, fatigue, insomnia, and or unintentional sleep episodes during wakefulness, the patient awakens with breath holding, gasping, or choking, the patient's bed partner reports loud snoring, breathing interruptions, or both during the patient's sleep, then, end quote, then the patient meets all requirements for a diagnosis of OSA. Veteran Snuffy, poor Veteran Snuffy, he's always getting it, isn't he? Veteran Snuffy has two statements in support of his claim that show that he suffered from abnormally loud snoring, one statement providing a firsthand account of witness apneic events during Veteran Snuffy's sleep cycle. Furthermore, Veteran Snuffy himself attests to suffering from daytime hypersomnolence, that means sleepiness, um, and unrefreshing sleep while in service. The diagnostic criteria as outlined by the AASM combined with veteran Snuffy's buddy statements and personal history suggests that the veteran was suffering from undiagnosed OSA while in service and that his condition has worsened over time, which is consistent with the natural progression and development of OSA, right? So that's a mouthful, right? But that's kind of some of the research that I use and some of the literature that I'll use to discuss that if somebody has some buddy statements that have witnessed things and support the personal statement, right? So lastly, I'm just gonna quickly go over the rating criteria for OSA. This is not my specialty either, but I thought I'd throw it in here just because I know that veterans like to kind of know this stuff. So 0% is gonna be the rating if somebody um, has a diagnosis of sleep apnea, but they're completely asymptomatic. I don't really see that very often, but that's a thing, right? 30% is awarded if they're just chronically tired during the day, but that's it, okay? They don't really wear a device or CPAP or mandibular device or anything like that, okay? 50% is usually the most common that we see, and it's assigned um, if they use a CPAP machine or some other device, right? There are people out there that say that it has to say required, the use of versus uses, I don't know, get with your VSO on that. I mean, in my opinion, as a former examiner, if you use a CPAP, I assume that it's required for you to use because that's why it was prescribed, right? Um, a total percentage of 100% can be um, 
given if they have chronic respiratory failure with carbon dioxide retention or core pulmonal um, or require tracheostomy, okay? So that's basically it. That was my down and dirty on the direct sleep apnea. I'm going to do some more sleep apnea, secondary service connection stuff. Um, hope, hope you guys enjoyed this one. I love doing the sleep apnea stuff because it's so interesting and there's just so much it's just so much so out there, right? There's so much literature about it. Um, please drop some comments if you have some um, questions or things that you would like to see me go over or, um, you know, whatever. So, uh, Mr. Farrell, no slack. And um, thanks for watching, everybody. See ya.